WEHC is now delighted to present a new program to our lineup. Join longtime Washington County, Virginia Agricultural Extension agent Phil Blevins as he answers your questions about all aspects of agrarian life, including economics, community development, agriculture, family, animal production, farm and home pests, and more. It's time now for Farm Talk. Thank you, Ivy. It's my pleasure to be here. I want to thank WHC for this opportunity to be able to give this a try as a live program to have folks hopefully call in with questions that they have about uh, all kinds of things that I've dealt with over the years. As Ivy said, my name is Phil Blevins. I'm the Washington County Extension Agent for Agriculture. I was raised to give you a little background about me and where I came from. I was raised in Shady Valley, Tennessee, not too far away from here, on a small beef and tobacco farm that was a real rocky farm. And so we got to learn to do a lot of things the hard way when I was growing up. Uh, I graduated from the University of Tennessee at Knoxville in animal science. And for about the first nine years that I was out of college, I worked in the dairy industry at first on a dairy farm at home and then in various aspects of the dairy industry beyond that. I began my career with Extension about 34 years ago in Montgomery County, Virginia, and was fortunate enough when longtime great Extension agent Joe Durding retired in Washington County that I was able to get this job. One of the questions that often comes up about my job is what exactly is extension and I thought it might be a good idea to describe what extension is. Actually began over a hundred years ago, extension did, as part of the land-grant university mission in the United States. Um, Virginia Tech and Virginia State University are land-grant colleges in Virginia and part of the mission of the uh, land-grant college originally was to do research in agriculture and mechanics And then because people didn't have the ability then financially many to go to college, it was believed and was a good idea that this information be extended that was being found in research on agriculture research stations to the communities. And so that's how Extension began with the Smith-Lever Act back in 1914. And so uh, county agents were hired and sent out into the community to try to show people better ways of growing food at the time. Uh, aspects of Extension, if you're familiar with the 4-H program, that's actually an Extension program. And that began as what was called corn clubs. And it was believed at the time that if you could teach the son to uh, use newer techniques of growing corn and he could out he could grow more corn than dad did that maybe dad would adopt those new methods of production and so been very successful over the years some of you out there probably have heard of home demonstration clubs uh, which were a part of extension where homemakers were taught how to can and preserve food and to sew and do various other things and so that's kind of a uh, a 100,000-foot view of extension. Uh, and so uh, get to answer a lot of questions. I deal with agriculture all the way from production agriculture in the county all the way down to what's this bug in my house and what's this disease in my garden. And so hopefully as time goes on, if we're successful in this program, that you'll be interested in calling in with your questions. We'll try to pick a topic each week. Uh, that will kind of spur some questions. And so if you do have questions as we go along, the number here is uh, 276-944-6933. If you think of something in the meantime, let me give you my email address. 
and we'll try to address those questions on the air. My email address is pblevins, P-B-L-E-V-I-N-S, at vt.edu. Now, I am a hillbilly, so my accent sometimes not picked up by some people that are foreigners from here, like up north. And so uh, if you have questions about that email address, then uh, maybe, maybe we can get Ivy on here to make it more sensible to you. But I, th- I thought it'd be a good idea today to start out with what agriculture is in Washington County. And uh, most people that live here, they like the county because of agriculture, because of the scenery and this uh, rural uh, atmosphere that it gives to living in Washington County, which is certainly a great place to live. I've been the extension agent here since January 1, 1991, so it's been a great place to live and work and close to home, too. But agriculture is the largest industry in Washington County, and most people don't realize that. Uh, If we think about how important agriculture is, we all eat, so we know that it's important that we have farmers and that we have agriculture, but I want to give you a couple of quotes that I think really um, nail down how important agriculture has been in our country. Uh, President William Taft said that the welfare of the farmer is vital to that of the whole country. The prosperity of the country rests peculiarly upon the prosperity of agriculture, and no society has ever existed that didn't have a sound agriculture system or at least access to a society that could supply their needs for food. Booker T. Washington, whom most of us are familiar with, he said no race can prosper till it learns that there is as much dignity in tilling a field as in writing a poem. It is at the bottom of life we must begin and not at the top. Nor should we permit our grievances to overshadow our opportunities. And I certainly think that's true. And then finally, Daniel Webster. He said, when tillage begins, other arts follow. The farmers, therefore, are the founders of human civilization. And so I think that gives us a philosophical perspective on agriculture that uh, is real. And if we think about it in particularly here in this county, in Washington County, it's really the foundation of this county. You probably never take time to look at the seal of Abingdon, but I have. And the town seal of Abingdon, if you look on that seal, there are four quadrants on that seal. And one of those has a picture of a cow's head and a tobacco plant on it to signify how important agriculture was in the founding of this county. Um, For years, the tax payments in Washington County were scheduled when the tobacco crop was sold. Now, we don't grow as much tobacco as we used to. We grow very little now. Uh, But they understood how important that was for the tax base and accommodated the farmers in that respect. As I said earlier, we're all involved in agriculture. You may not be a farmer, but you're involved in it regardless of whether you want to be or not because you eat. And uh, the head of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization said several years ago, he said, we face the challenge now of not only ensuring food for 973 million who are currently hungry, but also ensuring there is enough food for 9 billion people in 2050. We will need to double global food production by 2050. And I believe we can do that. Uh, There are people around the world that are hungry, and certainly agriculture has the capacity to feed if we we use the tools we have and do what we can. But again, in Washington County, it's the largest industry in this county. It contributes over $69 million. That's just in farm sales to the economy. 
And then there's millions more that are contributed from the industries that serve agriculture. Uh, in addition, as I said earlier, the, it contributes and provides much of the scenery and much of the culture of our area, if you think about it. Those that ride the creeper trail, for example, one of the things you see along the creeper trail are farms uh, of, of various types. Uh, some of those, especially when you get into some of the more remote areas, take us back several years in agriculture in Washington County. If we ask how big it is, uh, just to say $69 million, that doesn't really quantify it like we should. But if we give some details about agriculture, there, according to the last census, there are 1,506 farms in Washington County. That makes it one of the largest counties in the state in, in terms of uh, numbers of farms. Um, there's about 176,000 acres in farms in the county. And we're in a fairly big county as far as uh, land area goes. The average farm size is 117 acres. And the median farm size, or the one that would hit in the middle, is about 50 acres. Um, the, the thing that we don't think about is the production expense that goes along with that $69 million in income. And about $63 million of that is spent back into the economy for production expense. Uh, farmers in the counties, according to the census, pay about $5.8 million in wages to workers, to around 1,000 workers. And if we think about that, that what the economists say, if we roll that income over in the county, that has an economic impact of almost $403 million in the economy. So it is a big deal. And since I've been here over the years, I've made it one of my missions to promote agriculture because I think so many people are so far removed from it, they fail to see that. If we get down on the production level, Washington County is the third largest county in the state in terms of cattle and calves. With We have more cows and calves than we do people in Washington County at about 66,000 head of cattle in the county. And hardly anyone knows this, but Washington County is the largest egg producer in the state of Virginia. Most people don't realize that, but uh, it's a huge business in the county. We're second in terms of sheep and lamb numbers in the state, third in terms of goat numbers in the state. There are a, number, a good number of horses here. I don't know where we rank there. And then there's lots of things that aren't ranked in the statistic. Uh, one of the things that's really growing right now is uh, our beekeepers in the county because of the work Highlands Beekeeper Association that we do. Uh, there are a lot more beekeepers than there were. And then you have lots of other things. If you go up on the mountain, up to White Top and that area, lots of Christmas trees grown up there. And then you have various other things that may not be big in acreage, but are certainly important to the people that do it. We have a number of vegetable growers. We have hay producers. We have, uh, we have those that are in other niche markets like greenhouse production. And so it's just a big business in this area. And if we look at those economic numbers individually with cattle and calves, we sell close to $40 million worth of cattle in Washington County each year. And eggs going to be somewhere in the 16 to $20 million range. And beef cattle are by far uh, the largest industry, not only in Washington County, but in Southwest Virginia. The ninth district, uh, the ninth congressional district in Virginia is one of the largest beef producing areas in the United States. And so we have a lot of cattle here and it's certainly important to the producers here. 
We have dairies, as I mentioned earlier. We don't have as many dairies as we used to have, but it's still extremely important to the county. Now, why is that the case? Why do we have so much livestock here? Well, our land is suited for livestock. We have pastures, which are by far the largest crop that we produce in the county. And one of the wonderful things about cattle and sheep and goats is they can take uh, something that we can't utilize in our diet, grass, and they can turn that into a nutritious product that we can use. And so pasture is, 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 is one of the reasons that we have the livestock that we do here. And I'll mention another reason in just a minute. We produce a lot of hay and a lot of corn. Most of our corn is produced for corn silage, which is then fed to livestock. Now, this is another thing that a lot of people don't realize, but Washington County is one of the largest livestock marketing centers east of the Mississippi, uh, selling millions of dollars worth of livestock annually through Tri-State Livestock Market and CH Cattle Company mainly. Uh, they do a good job of marketing cattle. And so a lot of people from a lot of areas come here. They come here from West Virginia, from North Carolina, from Kentucky, Tennessee, to market their cattle here. And one of the side benefits of that is uh, they buy stuff while they're here. And so they buy gas, they eat at restaurants. And so agriculture is benefiting a lot of people uh, that maybe don't realize what has brought their customers here. If we go to the service industries, obviously there's a, it takes a lot of service industry for agriculture. Everything from lenders with farm credit, First Bank and Trust, New People's Bank, Powell Valley Bank, a number of lenders. And then farm supply stores. You know, right close to us here at Emory & Henry is a Big M Farm Supply in Metaview. And then you have Country Boy Seed and the Farm Bureau Store and Performance Feeds and ASM. So there's a lot of those. Another uh, big business in the county is farm equipment. There are three equipment dealers in about a mile, within a mile's distance, down on Route 11, uh, Abingdon Equipment, Mead Tractor, and Progressive Tractor that sell over $90 million worth of equipment and parts each year. And then you have the veterinarians, uh, you have uh, cattlemen's associations, and others that do business here that that are policy advocates for agriculture, that are also edu that provide education to um, the producers in this county, and it's been my pleasure to work with these people over the years. If we make, if we back up just a little bit and look at Virginia itself, agriculture is Virginia's largest private industry as well by far. There's nothing that even comes to a close second as far as a private industry and. In Virginia, uh, and it has an economic impact. Agriculture does a seventy billion—that's with a B—dollars annually, and provides more than three hundred thirty-four thousand jobs in the Commonwealth. Uh, if you put forestry with that, agriculture and forestry, then you increase that economic impact to over ninety-one ninety-one billion. And so, uh, every job in agriculture and forestry supports almost two jobs somewhere else in Virginia's economy. Now, you know, I like to be philosophical every once in a while, but I think there's some challenges that agriculture faces. And one of the big ones is, for the future, is the average person doesn't understand agriculture or where their food comes from. And let me give you a couple of examples of that. Uh, this is from the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy, 
And the survey says that 16.4 million people believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. A further 48% were not sure where chocolate milk even came from. That's a big issue when we think about ignorance uh, because that affects foreign policy. People that don't understand agriculture still make decisions for agriculture. And depending on what they're trying to accomplish with their decision can be very negative as our food for our food supply. I'll tell you a local story that a good friend of mine, Jim Fraley, down in Black Holler, told me. He was talking to a person one day that sold eggs at the farmer's market. And this uh, person came up and asked uh, the person that was selling the eggs, said, my son, he said, they said, I've got a question I want to ask you. He said, Someone at school told my child that uh, eggs come out of the rear end of a chicken, and I want to know if that's where your eggs come from. And he had already handed the eggs over to the person. They said, well, I wouldn't describe it that way, but, uh, you know, that's the, the, you know they do have an opening where the eggs come out, and that's where it is back there. And so this person handed the eggs back and said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to get my eggs somewhere where they're produced under more sanitary conditions. So, you know, when you have things like that that are being uh, by people that are making decisions and voting for people that make decisions, it's a big challenge. And, and that's on the backs of farmers and people like me and others to get the message out to people. The other challenge, one of the other challenges we face is that farmers as a percentage of the population are very small. If you go back to 1790, uh, 90% of the people were farmers. and By 1900, it was 38%, and today it's less than 2%. So you have less than 2% of the farmers that are feeding the world, but they're getting the job done. Another one is the age and farm population in 2007 in Washington County, the average age reported was 58 and a half years. By 2017, the average age was 59.9 years. And ever since it comes out, that advances itself a little bit. And one of the concerns that I have in regard to that is we're losing skill and knowledge among those people, people that know how to do it. Not that others can't learn. I don't mean that. But we're losing skill and knowledge in that uh, when those people pass on. And, you know, that poses the question, well, we need to train people how to farm in the future. And there's been efforts to do that. I don't know if you're familiar with Baxter Black, but he was a cowboy poet. And he made a comment in regard to that. He said, our culture expends a great deal of effort on future NBA stars, astronauts, environmental lawyers, doctors, and political science majors. But for every 100 rock stars, Rhodes Scholars, and Heisman Trophy winners our country produces, we better make sure we spend enough to train at least two future farmers so the rest of them can eat. And I think he's right on the money there. But, I, you know, that those things sound negative, but there's a lot of reason for optimism. Uh, we have young farmers, and that's good, and they bring more technology to bear on agriculture as they, as they come into the system. Uh, they will do the research that allow us to produce more with less, and they'll be the ones that shape food and agriculture policy for the future. And they will be the farmers that feed the rest of the population. Other reasons for optimism beyond that are the total U.S. corn yield, that's in tons per acre, has increased more than 360% since 1950. That's pretty amazing. 
the pounds of feed, including grain, forage, et cetera, that a dairy cow needs to eat to produce 100 pounds of milk has decreased by more than 40% in the last 40 years. So we've made great strides in efficiency. Uh, the U.S. produces 18% of the world's beef with only 6% of the world's cattle. As compared to other countries, 2.66 cattle are required to produce the same amount of beef as one beef animal in the United States due to improvements in resilience and efficiency on the beef farm. When I went to Johnson County High School in Mountain City, I was in FFA, and we had to learn the FFA creed, and there's a section out of that that I'd like to read that I really, I really think describes uh, what I believe and what those that are in farming believe. And it says, I believe in the future of farming with a faith born not of words but of deeds. I believe that rural America can and will hold true to the best traditions in our national life and that I can exert an influence in my home and community which will stand solid for my part in that inspiring task. And so that kind of gives us an introduction to agriculture in the county and to what I do. And, and so we'll be talking about various subject matters over the course of this radio program. I'm going to take a break right now and come back and mention something that maybe you could be thinking about for the fall, whether you're a farmer or whether you're a gardener. Locally owned and operated since 1914, Food Country USA provides customers quality and value with products sourced from farms in our region. From the farm, to our stores, to your table. Food Country USA. You are tuned to Farm Talk here on WEHC with Phil Blevins. And if you have a question for Phil, you can send him an email at pblevins at vt. Edu or call the radio station 276-944-6933. He will be in every Wednesday from 1 until 1.30 discussing all aspects of agrarian life and hopefully answering questions that you've had for years. All right, Phil. Thanks again. It's good to be back. Uh, one of the things I thought I'd mention, we don't have much time left on the program today, but uh, people, whether you're growing a garden, whether you're growing a corn crop, pasture or just trying to make the yard look better um, one of the things that uh, that I thought we'd talk about just a minute today and that is uh, soil sampling because it is the time of the year when we can do those things and so uh, it's a good time to be thinking about that and I thought I'd mention that just a minute and so uh, you know all soils are not created equal if you were to uh, get on the soil survey web soil survey on the internet and map your land whether it's a yard or a farm or whatever you'd find out that there are a number of different uh, soil types on your property and not all those are equally productive and so the only way you can know what to do in terms of fertilizer or uh, other things that need to be done to that soil, specifically liming, is to take a soil sample. And so let's talk about that just a minute. And uh, soil sampling, uh, in, in my case, with extension, we have a soil uh, analysis lab at Virginia Tech that you can send those samples to. We have the boxes and the forms in our office and can give you instruction on how to do that, but I'm going to give you instruction right now, so maybe uh, maybe you can get a head start on that. But when you're taking a soil sample, you need to avoid extreme areas in whatever you're sampling, very poor areas or very rich areas. You're trying to get a 
representative sample of the area. And for those of you that are sampling your yard or sampling pasture or hayland, you only want to sample about four inches deep everywhere that you sample. Now, if you're sampling a garden or something that you're going to plow, then you want to sample as deep as the plow layer would be. You just take a plastic bucket, and one sample shouldn't represent more than 10 or 20 acres. And so you take a, a random, you go across this in a random pattern, whether it's your garden or whatever it is. And what you want to do is take about 10 to 12 subsamples, uh, and you're going to mix those together in a plastic bucket. You don't want to use a zinc or galvanized bucket because that can mess your results up. But put those in a plastic bucket, and if you're sampling, they make a soil sampling tube you can use. It makes it a little easier. You can buy those from NASCO or other places online. But you can use a spade or a shovel as well. You just want to be sure that you sample at the same depth everywhere you sample because what you're ultimately going to do after you mix those 12 subsamples together is you're going to send about a cup of soil to the soils lab to represent, um, depending on how big the area is, if it's an acre, a cup of soil is going to represent about 2 million pounds of soil. Uh, so you want to do the best you can to try to get a very representative sample from that. And from that, you'll get uh, a, a picture of what your soil fertility levels are, particularly phosphorus and potassium and magnesium and calcium, which are the big elements. And it, on your soil sample form, you'll indicate what crop you're trying to grow. If it's a flower bed, if it's uh, a fruit orchard, if it's a corn crop, whatever it happens to be, you can indicate that on the form. And then you'll get a recommendation back uh, on what you should do to that. Uh, we live in a fairly humid and high precipitation area, so our soil pH is constantly dropping, so we have to lime periodically to correct for that. And you're going to get a uh, you're going to get a figure on what the soil pH is and a recommendation on what you should do, if anything. So, you know, I'm glad to help people with that uh, constantly. That's one of the big requests I get coming in the office is how to understand a soil sample. And so I would encourage you to go ahead and do that. And that way, if you need to lime, you can go ahead and get that done this winter and then be prepared for next spring for whatever it is you plan to grow. That's kind of the, some of the things we'll be talking about as we go along in this and other things, maybe bed bugs, maybe ticks, uh, you know, maybe other production things that we could talk about, honeybees or whatever. And so if you do have questions, please, please feel free to call in to 944-6933. So thank you. And if there's, uh, if there's opportunity or anything I can help you with in the meantime, again, my email address is pblevins at vt.edu. Well, thank you, Phil. And we are just delighted once again to be able to present Farm Talk here on WEHC, Wednesday afternoons from 1 to 1.30, answering your questions about farming and home pests, animal production, and more. And be sure to tune in next
Wednesday at 1.30 for another edition of Farm Talk right here on WEHC. This is WEHC Emory 90.7 and WISC FM Wise 90.5. Also heard in Big Stone Gap at 90.1, Clintwood at 90.3, St. Paul at 90.9, Pound at 91.3, Norton at 91.7, and streaming worldwide at WEHCFM.com. Let's make the world-